Welcome, brothers, to the pod. We are the two peas in a pod. We're back again. Episode 7, would you believe? 7 being an important number for this month as well. Very auspicious for the Death Guard players. It's a dirty number. <laughs> That's Ben, you can hear. I'm Dan. I'm Ben. <laughs> and we are back again. So tonight, what are we going to talk about tonight, Ben? Oh, we've got lots of things to talk about tonight. Loads of stuff to go through. So we're going to go in the hobby desk, as we always do. I've finished more corn stuff, uh, and Ben is lamenting that as ever. And he has... Oh, uh, very good. <laughs> <laughs> ben has opened up his Dark Imperium and is beavering away on that. Um, going into the Galaxy of War, I have bought one of the 30th anniversary Marines that has split the internet divided popular opinion uh, and, and divided us cast yeah divided us and cast chaos across the uh, across the miniatures collecting community so we're going to talk a bit about him uh, and also about the, the codexes that have been uh, we've been told now are coming up then into the mortal realms yet more gaming yet more being beaten for my corn army so some stuff to talk about there uh, it won't surprise you to learn i've used the warlord edition now and i want to talk about that um, sorry for those of you that are getting bored of my excitement on that <laughs> <laughs> and i'm going to talk about um a new project that i'm looking to start for age of sigmar as well and then we're going hail to the community so stuff to talk about there the painting competition hopefully if you've been following the facebook you know ben's getting involved with that with his family and yeah. the warhammer heroes which is a, a new initiative from games workshop we're very excited to hear about i think it's a cracking idea yeah, uh, and finally we delve into the wilds uh, ben is very excited about the uh, fallout miniatures game that's coming up I, in my naivety, was like, what, what's that? What's that? Which just shows that I, I really don't have a clue outside of the miniatures uh, market. And uh, I don't have much of a clue in there. So, very worrying. Anyway, guys, thank you very much for joining us. I have genuinely got my cup of coffee right here. Grab yourself some refreshments. We'll be back soon on the Hobby Desk. Hi guys, welcome back. Um, we've just been hugely distracted, tipped over a pile of goblins, and Dan's trying to find Gaskell Thracker on eBay. Um, but other than that, we're back. And fight off the demonic presence that is in my hobby. Oh, room. the daddy long legs. <laughs> yeah, flipping hair. It's flying into the side of my head. It's been a bit of a dramatic interlude. Back, ye beast of Nurgle. <laughs> so we're here to talk about uh, what's on our hobby desks. Um, Dan, you've had a quite a productive couple of weeks, haven't you? At last, yeah. Finished your um, yeah, so. clown wagons. <laughs> uh, I just want to let everybody that's listening know I am being bullied. I am a, I am an innocent chaos worshipping warlord. <laughs> and, uh, Said no man he, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Literally rings me up and terrorises me with these kind of insults. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So very sad about that. But they're looking nice. Um. Yeah. So the cl- no, <laughs> yeah the clown wagon. So um my skull cannons are now done at last. They were quite a long project. Um. Just a lot of time really highlighting up the reds etc etc. Um. But I got those done. I'm really pleased with them. Really pleased with how they look. Yeah. Um. They're magnetized now and in the storage crates. Um. And off the back of that i've used the momentum to get my two forge fiends that i picked up um 
few weeks ago. They're built. Who now, look nothing like well. squatting toads. Yeah, here we go again. <laughs> See? See? Um, well, they do without their um, heads and arms. <laughs> yeah, well, they are mis- They're in sub assemblies because uh, Captain Sub Assembly told me so. Um, <laughs> I've done. I've already. I'm quite pleased actually with the progress. So the main red armor has been base coated, shaded, and the first base coat put back on with the airbrush. And the sort of lighter demonic areas of red just have one highlight to go. Um, I'm doing two of them at the same time. The construction was interesting. I've tried to vary them a bit. They're quite monopose, um, the miniature itself. So the main bulk of the model is clearly sort of turning... um, turning itself towards the right and that makes it hard to you know if you've got one miniature that's turning to the right and then have another one also turning to the right yeah yeah it's difficult to try and stop that but i've managed to get one sort of you know almost stalking along quite low and the other one's reared up going to be firing its cannons um so i'm quite pleased with that um i'm quite enjoying painting them i'm hoping to get them done quite rapidly um I want to get those done and 24 more cultists. All right, yeah. Um into the army. Um because uh we're going to talk when we get to the Galaxy of War a bit about stratagems, but that gives me enough troops choices to uh unlock the the larger battalion. Yes, yeah. organization which gives me the nine nine command points plus 3 yeah. that you get anyway. So want to do that and i think it will look cool because you'll have uh 40 48 cultists on the board yeah. and against 16 berserkers so i think it'll have a good dynamic yeah. for a have a nice aesthetic to it. versus space marines yeah yeah i i hope so um yeah really pleased really pleased with the progress this because on that um on that board in uh warhammer fest warhammer fest sorry uh warhammer world in the uh the big room where it's the ultramarines versus chaos I love those cultists being kind of ushered forward by the uh, corn warriors. I think it's great. Yeah, that that board is what's inspired this army. Really? Yeah. So, well, precisely it was on that board was the first time I saw the Kaitan engine. Yeah. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of the... Uh, see, I can't even remember what it's called. The corn lawnmower of doom. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, I actually can't remember. It's funny, actually. I, da, Dan Wasley couldn't believe that we didn't just edit out when I couldn't remember what Wanderers um, he was using. Yeah, but dude, we can't remember but... the names for everything. Well, it's like we're two people suffering from dementia. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. But anyway, that massive corn engine. Oh, Lord of Skulls. There we yeah, go. Yeah. Oh, it's not actually hard to remember, is no, it? Corn Lord of Skulls. He's going to be the Corn so Lord from now on, mate. Be... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm not that keen on that, no. um, as you can tell. But this is... The Kaitan is it, with, but with legs instead, which personally, I think, would have been the way to go all along. But hey-ho, it doesn't matter. They do that now as Forge World. So really wanted one of them and then built an army to facilitate getting one of them. Um <laughs> And yeah, it kind of went from there, really, and it keeps growing. Um, and it it's nice that the demon side ports over to the Age of Sigma. Yeah, really nice. Yeah. Because um, uh, when we get into the Mortal Realms, we'll talk about what 
my experiences with those and what I want to add. But needless to say, I'm going to be painting some more demons in the near future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what about you then? You've you've unboxed. Let me guess. You've unboxed Dark Imperium. You've been blown away by the Death Guard miniatures, <laughs> and you've sold your soul to Nurgle, uh, and are eagerly painting up loads of Death Guard, uh, and spraying all your space walls green. No, sorry, no. Going before we go on to um, Dark Imperium, I, I did want to go back and brush over something you mentioned about um, the kits being quite monopose. Hmm. I've actually started to find that um, increasingly that seems to be more and more common. Um, certainly, looking in the uh, uh, through the new Primaris boxes, while they are lots of ways of constructing them, the poses themselves are quite um, set because the hips and the legs are attached to the torso. Um, and I, I don't sure whether I'm disappointed by that because actually. By doing that, it allows them to make a more quality model, if you know what I mean. It's allowed, gives them a, uh, a chance to put more detail onto it without um, thinking, oh, no, that'll be make it really difficult to construct. I think it's quite a, a different approach that they're taking, and I'm, I personally think it's quite a good one. Um, I'm not that sad to see the back of um, the completely posable stuff. I don't know about what you think. Yeah, I well... For me, my question is, are they either A, slower to build, B, quicker to build, or C, the same? <laughs> yes, um, probably the same. You think the same? Yeah. Okay, well, I'll probably take it leave it then. <laughs> Basically, um, I just, if it's quicker to build, then I'd be all for it. But like you say, if it does allow the quality to go up i mean there's no doubting i know obviously it was produced a while ago but if you remember the old space marine commander box i don't know if it's still yep, it's still around current, yep. actually yeah so if you compare him to say for example the primaris commander or captain that's recently come yeah. out it's a massive difference worlds of yeah, difference yeah, yeah. worlds of difference and and mostly around like be- almost believability like from a from an anatomy kind of way, yeah, yeah. the pose it did just didn't seem to matter how you built that commander, Space Marine commander. He just looked a bit odd. So the parts in there were really good. So I've used loads of the parts converting. Yeah, things. yeah, me too. Yeah, but him himself, he always ended up in these weird poses. Yeah. Um, whereas that guy, that Primaris guy, just that is just a stunning miniature. Yeah. So yeah, I can see exactly what you're saying. Um. And to be honest, I've got a sneaking suspicion that they might be a little quicker to build, but I'm going to have to, I'll have to put myself out and buy some just to find out <laughs> for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the listeners. So yeah, well, what have I been doing? I have been working my way through the Dark Imperium box set, primarily because um, I just couldn't restrain myself anymore. <laughs> it was the, <laughs> I, I just desperately wanted to get a decent section of my older Space Wolves done because I've been wanting to do an army of Space Wolves for so long um, and the ones that I've done are the box sets that the three squads that I've done now are the box sets that um, I got as a present from the staff when I left Games Workshop Plymouth um, so they meant... Uh, yeah I was going to say that I, I thought I'm sure that's what happened. Yeah um, there's a few other models to do from that kind of 
gift giving and and I for me they're really special because that was a you know really cool time in my life. Um, Can I just ask actually, was it a gift like when you left or was it to get you to leave? Yeah, <laughs> it's to get me to leave probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've I kind of felt like in a way, as much as having those models done was cool the army was missing something and that's to kind of keep current with what's going on and there's so many nice new models out and I don't care what anyone says about the Primaris the one thing that I just will not accept is an argument that the models are bad because they're just not they're really not they're stunning um and I've enjoyed every minute of putting them together um and I've been converting them gently to well, not overwhelmingly but gently to put make them space wolf and I've put a few of those pictures up and uh, I'm really happy with how they're turning out, actually. Um, I'm still a bit dubious as to how I'm going to paint them, um, which is holding me back a little bit because obviously the squad markings for Space Wars are a lot different from other chapters. Um, I've got I've got some a selection of colours you could use. Yeah. Corn red. Corn red, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mephiston red. Yep. Yeah. With um. You know, to get your base coat down and then corn red over the top of that. Um, Abaddon black, um, but then with corn red over that. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, some, uh, I think some reasonable suggestions there. I think it's really important that you did explain to me the exact colour scheme you used for me to put the dead bodies at their feet. So that's useful. I can listen back to it now. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there's a space wolf helmet on one of my rhinos. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, because like I said, the Space Wars are slightly different. So the big one for me is the Inceptors. Um, mm. When you read Dark Imperium, the guy, the Space Wolf who's in the Inceptor squad is not a rookie. He's not a blood claw. Um, and traditionally those kind of... Um, uh, I forgot what they're called, but the Sky something Space Wolves. Sky Claws. Sky Claws, yeah. that's it. They're blood claws. Um and I just can't see the Inceptors being blood claws. And I've seen some people paint them up with a blood claw stuff on their shoulder pad, but that just doesn't fit to me. Um, so, if anything, you got the impression... Yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, so I'm going to leave the shoulder pads blank, um, I think, mm. until the Space Wolf Codex comes out. I'm just kind of hoping it will before the end of the year. But Yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether they put in whole new pack designations yes so like for example so at the moment you've got blood claws gray hunters long fangs and wolf guard haven't you uh, and scouts so it'll be interesting this sorry and scouts yeah. yes sorry um it'd be interesting to see whether they put in a new one yeah or they simply go for something like so as i understand it the reason that blood claws have the the jump packs is because they're like full of the you know, spirit of youth, as it were, and yep. like all gung ho. But and by the time they get to grey hunters, you know, they kind of feel it's a bit silly to go flying around in the sky and not very dignified. And by the time it's long fangs, they're just shaking their heads and being like, "Oh my goodness." Um, well, that's so they might sort do. Of they true. might do. In the sorry, it, that's sort of true, and that that's the case for most companies. But there are occasionally companies where they embrace the jetpack. Um, well, that's what I'm thinking. Is are they going to do something like? Well, actually, some of the inceptors, you know, they are grey hunters, but they're the ones that sort of showed this kind of desire to go whizzing around. But then again, I don't know. I don't know. Really, it's interesting. The whole Primaris thing is interesting because depending on where, so in Dark Imperium, the Primaris have only been with the Imperium. Well, 
No, they've only been a known entity within the Imperium yeah. for about 100 years. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I suppose that's important because whilst I've seen it cited on a few places, oh, well, how can there be veteran... I think, In fact, actually, I think this came up with the 30th anniversary dude. How can there be a veteran Sergeant Primaris? Yeah. Because they've only been around for 100 years. But, but actually there's background that suggests that the Primaris have been operating on and off for a, a very long time. Yeah, they've been taken out for select missions to see whether they worked or not. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, one of the things they haven't clarified and was only ever mentioned on the kind of Q&As with um, uh, What's-His-Face, the games designer. Ah, um, oh. uh, yes, that famous uh, games designer, What's-His-Face. Yeah, What's-His-Face. Oh, my name, seriously... Me and names is terrible. Um, anyway, are you talking about Jervis? No, no, the one who designed forty k eighth edition. <laughs> oh, what's he called? Oh, it's just getting embarrassing now. I'm going to move on. Um, so he mentioned that a space marine, an existing space marine, can be upgraded to be a Primaris, and it hasn't been mentioned since. So that hasn't been clarified. But you know, we'll see. <clears throat> anyway, so that's that was that. I've put that book away. Um. And the other thing I'm quite excited about is moving on to uh, some sort of picking around with some scenery, getting ready for Necromunda um, and possibly Fallout, which we'll cover later. Um, I I remember Necromunda is the first game or the game that encouraged me to make my own scenery. Um, So I'm going to, you know, brush that kind of idealism off again and start going for it because I think uh, some of the hand-built gang camps and that sort of stuff are really really cool so um i've already uh, haven't done anything yet other than bought a few of the new scenery box sets and had a tinker with them um but i'm looking around for pictures i'm trying to find some inspiration what i'm going to do i remember seeing in um one of the old copies of possibly inferno yeah or the citadel journal or one of those a vertical necromunda table yeah, which was made out of polystyrene sheets, and that was so inspirational. <laughs> I just that really grabbed me, to be honest. Yeah, as being what I, what I'd like to do. Yeah, um, I think something like that, a bit more height to it, would be really nice. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned scenery actually, because somebody uh, kindly commented on a picture of one of the battles I've played recently where on the snowy terrain. Oh, yeah. So they really liked it. The one that we played our um, battle on when you came down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I must admit, I, I quite like it, and I, I'm looking to add to it a bit. Um, but they asked about the big ice shards. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I gave a bit of response there, and I, and I said I would expand on it a bit in, in this episode. So essentially all it is is the, it's called extruded polystyrene or high-density polystyrene, so it's a lot tougher it's quite hard to find um, it's unless really you want hard to, to buy it in massive bulk. So if you buy it in like huge bulk, um, but you're talking about spending like 200 quid and getting a pallet of it delivered. Um, so I sometimes it turns up and these two sheets turned up in B&Q uh, every now and then. I think it must just be that the people that make it do a deal and B&Q are like, yeah, we'll have some of that. Um, so I've had a couple of sheets of it and all I've done really is using a hot wire cutter, because they're amazing, is just sculpt these big pointed spears out of it and then painted them with PVA with a bit of sand in to try and give them some strength. Yeah. Um, 
sprayed them in the fang color best color um and best color and then used <laughs> white just to go over them um and i always make up sort of a weird rocky mixture to blend everything in and ben you, i don't know if you remember there was a picture of me at like two o'clock in the morning in games workshop plymouth when i was a staff member pretending to eat a bowl of this mixture oh, of yeah. rocks yeah, I and sand that. yeah i think i yeah, probably took the glue. picture <laughs> Yeah, and that, and we were slapping it on that Lord of the Rings board we made, oh, and it's that really board was so good. Yeah, it just it just helps blend blend the edges together. Yeah, um, and that's just paint and sand, so, isn't it? Really? Yeah, it's it's just yeah, yeah, and and stones and rocks, and it gives everything. I always base scenery always because I think you can put a little bit on there. You know, at the end of the day, it's going to be very. If you take a ruined building, it's going to be really hard. Unless you built the building and then knocked it down yeah. to capture all of the ruins that you'd want. Yeah. And also, it will make it hard to position your miniatures. Yeah. But just by having uh, a board and then, you know, putting the outline of the building, even out of like fallen stones and rocks yeah. uh, and a little corner here and a few little barrels there, it just it just gives it something more for me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you get that mix then between the realism, which is very time consuming and perhaps not practical from a gaming perspective and the sort of oh well i've got this ruin and it's not on a base and i've plonked it on the board which for me it loses some of the immersion a little bit yeah yeah i like a board much like i like an army really i like an army to look coherent and together and it's the same with the board i like it to look together yeah um so there's a little bit about scenery anyway I just—you said you wanted to talk about scenery, and I'm hijacked it. Sorry. No, well, it's it's not unusual for me to struggle to get a word in edgeways, though. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think um, I think this we're going into an era where I'm expecting to see some really awesome scenery coming from from people people's hobby desks because uh, I take for example uh, Ian's collection of the new scenery that i mean his board looks amazing and that that is with complete respect just taken out of the box um and he's just done a great job of painting it up um but i'm expecting now to with the release of necromunda and various other things for, for that to really take off for a little while because i think scenery building was a huge part of necromunda um which we will go on to in the next section i think which is a perfect time to um to transition i think isn't it then I think so. I think so indeed. So we're going to go into the galaxy of war next, um, talking about a few bits and bobs. So grab yourself something to keep you going. Um, we only just started, so hopefully no one's drifting off just yet. Uh, but we look forward to meeting you in the galaxy of war. Welcome back, brothers. Prepare your weapons. The pod thunders ever onwards and we enter the galaxy of war. So today we need to talk about it, Ben. <laughs> Do we, we have to? We need to talk about that Marine. Uh-huh. Go on then. Say your piece. Oh, uh, I just think it's boring, dude. Uh, <laughs> it's it, I mean, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> Are you going to be a child about uh, this all the did, way through? Did you? No, no, go on. You, you. Go on. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. I think it's boring. 
Oh, so go on then. Go, no, go on. I I'll stop now. I, I genuinely I won't do that again. So I, what I think about it that's good. I think it's a lovely Primaris model. Um, um, I think I would like it in my army if it, you know, as a Primaris model. I don't think that it fits the bill as a model for the thirtieth edition or thirtieth anniversary of Warhammer 40k. I, th- I, you know, what have we had in the past? We've had the Imperial Space Marine. Um, we've had the Crimson Fist holding the Orc's head from the front of the original book. Uh, we had Harry the Hammer for Warhammer Fantasy. Um, and then you get a sergeant. You know, oh, sorry, we've also had the the captain from the front of the second edition, uh, second edition box. I mean, they could have done so many. Oh yeah, he was a games day miniature, wasn't he? He was really nice. Yeah, I just think it. it, it I know what you're going to say, and I I think they're valid opinions about um how it represents where we are in the hobby and the release of the Space Marine Primarius and all of those things. But I think my the thing that strikes me about it. Is that even when you have the picture of it on the um like the Primaris uh, battalion buy thing on the on the website, it it almost gets lost in the rest of the Primaris, mm. and I think it will get lost on the battlefield. I think when it's on the battlefield, it's just gonna get lost. Um, and the fact that you would be willing to put it on the battlefield is an interesting thought in its own right because I haven't put any other special edition model of mine on the battlefield. They stay in the cabinet. Or in my case, the box <laughs> unpainted. Yeah. But, but it, you know, the point is that I think I think they've missed a trick. Really, I think 40k this year has been phenomenal. I think it's been absolutely brilliant. I'm loving the new game. I'm loving the new rules. I've been completely re-energized about it. Um, I've bought into the Primaris. I'm starting to love them. I'm loving collecting and painting them. Um, and yet, that just doesn't for me capture capture that feeling at all it feels a little bit underwhelming so there you go that's my view on it sorry uh, sorry i have <laughs> fallen asleep <laughs> <laughs> no i completely understand what you're saying and you know that because initially that was my sort of feelings as well um but what i've come to feel about that model is is like you say i really do think it sums up where we are right now 30th year of um, Warhammer 40k saw the Primaris Marines get introduced um, into the into the galaxy, yep. uh, and that guy. It goes back a bit to that big long thing I had about they're not just Space Marines when Primaris first came out. Ironically, yes, um, yeah, and I felt like it made Space Marines. So yes, he in on one sense he is just a Space Marine sergeant, but. A Space Marine Sergeant or a Primaris Space Marine Sergeant is is a pretty epic thing. And um, I, your point, you know, you, you make the point he gets lost on the battlefield. And yeah, some people will use him on the battlefield. And I think it's important that he appeals to some people who might want, you know, he's usable on the battlefield. But mine's certainly not. That's not my plan. Um, my plan is to paint him up and almost capture, I suppose, how what my painting level's like now as well. Um I think looking back in the future, he'll be a great reminder of 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 what happened in the thirtieth year of um of Warhammer forty thousand. And the reason I don't think he needs to be some ostentatious um example of model making is that most miniatures now that are coming out for forty k are those things. Mortarian will be a fantastic example. Yeah. Um, 
in the future of what happened in the 30th year of space of, yeah. of games workshop um you know the death guard will be fantastic examples Roboot Gilliman will be a fantastic example of what happened. It, there's loads of great miniatures that will have that mantle. Um, this guy didn't need to be that. I really don't think he did. And I think by being... he, It's almost powerful in its simplicity, for me personally. And, and it stands up nicely against the idea of the Imperial Space Marine. Because he was really cool as well. So I've got two Imperial Space Marines. And I'm genuinely considering getting two of these guys because I want to have one in a box as the collector part of me and I want to paint one up. And I'm going to paint up one of my Imperial Space Marines in the same colours. Have um, you decided what colours you're going to paint them yet? No, Ultramarines is really high up my list, as you would imagine, because I do really like the Ultramarines. And for me, they sum up what Space Marines are. But there's an opportunity to paint, do something different because I'm not intending to do an army of them. Yeah. That's exactly why I did the Lamenters for my um, competition model, because it's an opportunity to do something different, something that I haven't done yet, something that challenges me or captures something about the hobby that I haven't explored yet. To be honest, that model, every time I see it, it blows me away, me. You've done so... Yeah, especially considering... Well, I can remember we were having a conversation, really, when we started the podcast about weathering, yes. what it looked like, how you did it. Yeah. And you look at the chipping and stuff that you've pulled off on there and it doesn't look like you've only known about weathering for three months <laughs> yeah yeah i've been working hard but you, on it, i i've you've always i've always felt you've got when you're painting you've got that extra level of patience and brush control as well so those things always stand you in good stead um with your painting and, and he does look fantastic he really does oh thanks dude but yes i'm ready oh, oh that's, that's tough right. with him yeah, but cool. he was based off of one thing, and I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it's it's a piece of artwork where there's a lamentous helmet on a on a I think it's a staff or a piece of wood um, with a bunch of purity seals on. In the same way that you get like um, used to have Nam helmets on the top of M16s on on graves, mm-hmm. um, and that just I just loved that. <laughs> it's so simple, and it's just a helmet, um, and I loved it, and that's what inspired me to do that model and. For me, I think that the Space Marine, the thirtieth edition one, I'm going to paint as an Iron Snake because that book inspired me to paint an entire chapter of them, and um, I don't want to do too much to him because um, I don't want to sort of compromise the model. So I don't want to turn him into a Space Wolf, if you see what I mean, because he doesn't—he doesn't look like a Space Wolf to me. No, he looks more. I, I'm really pleased to hear that you're going to do him as an Iron Snake. I was really pleased when I read that because they. They they just I remember when you did your Iron Snakes yeah and and how much inspiration you took from one novel, um and ha- that novel is really very very good yes it is and if uh, you haven't read it read it if anyone's listening yeah, to yeah absolutely <laughs> but Iron Snakes also they're like when I think of Ben you think Space Wolves because you kind of look like one <laughs> and um <laughs> and and Iron Snakes. You know, Iron Snakes is something a really memorable thing in the hobby that I remember about about your what you've done in your hobby. Yeah. So that's yeah. really ace to see. Um and that's what that's what I really like about the model. I, I would really urge people, you know, that might be thinking, Oh no, it's too boring, I'm not paying twenty quid for that. Get one. Because in ten years it'll be such a great memento, especially if you paint it up separate to your army. Because you'll have loads of Space Marines and cool models from this era, but 
that guy's a little memory. Yeah. Um, and I really like him for that. <laughs> Unsurprisingly. Well, we've spent to like most. We've spent ten minutes talking about uh, a single model. So I think we, we ought to move on to something else because we, we wanted to. Move um, on. We wanted to talk about the um, upcoming codexes. So uh, this month we've got Death Guard and Mechanicum. I'm really excited about Mechanicum because um, I think we're going to see a lot more of those wicked little kind of bonuses for the subsects, like you did with the Space Marine um, chapters and the Chaos chapters. Um, so you'll have different Forge worlds having different characters. Um, yeah, that'd be good. And I think that's going to be really, really cool. Um, and I'm hoping they're going to expand out the background in there to talk about how Mars has a certain aesthetic and a certain way of going to war. And maybe you know Armageddon has a different way. Um, so I'm really excited to, to see that. Um, and I love the Mechanicum army. I, I've purposefully not bought the last Mechanicum book or any of the models because I just can't do another project <laughs> because I know I would no, go nuts no. with it um, because I think they look really, really cool. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, you'll It'd prob- be really nice if they redid, if if they push the different subsects, which I'm certain they will based on what we've seen. Yeah. It'd be yeah. lovely if they went back and reproduced the transfer sheets for them. Yes. Yes, it would. Because yeah. with the best will in the world, you know, <laughs> freehanding those symbols consistently across an army is really tough. Yep. Yes. And it can't, you know, it can't be hard. The, the designs are done. Even if they sold them just through Forge World. Yeah. As a specialist thing for people that are maybe a bit more advanced or what have you. Yeah. Because yeah. I know, I think transfers are disappearing from boxes, as we've said, or seem to be in the past. And I perhaps part of that is because they're not the simplest thing. If you're... If you're new to the hobby and you don't understand transfers, you know, I can remember putting them on and getting so annoyed because they just always fall off. Yeah. Always fall off on Space Marine shoulders, particularly because they didn't fit. And you're forever seeing posts on the web about that. Now, I know, and you know, and many people will know, that Microsole, Microset, bit of gloss varnish, and you can have a transfer that looks like you've painted it on. You know, it's completely possible. But Microsoft and Microsoft are vicious products <laughs> from a chemical point of view that are unlikely to be seen in the games workshop. And I'm I'm sorry, I don't often, uh, you know, decry, but this business to do with Blammy and Medium, you know, no, no, I'm sorry. It doesn't achieve what Microsoft and Microsoft do. Yeah. So maybe that's what the idea is. And But then for me, put the transfers on the web or put them through Forge World. Yeah, and it's yeah. really disappointing seeing them. It's one of the few things that really does disappoint me is seeing the transfers disappearing because it's such a nice way to personalise your army. But people will fill and that really... gap. There are other companies who are filling that gap. Yeah, that's true. There are. Are there really other miniatures companies? No, no. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think is going to be in the Death Guard book? Uh, I think there will be some death and some guard. Yeah, but do you think they're going to have those different Death Guard um, warbands having different rules? Or do you think... Ooh, good question. Or do you think you're going to have different sort of build styles that are encouraged? So you could have like a zombie-based Death Guard army or a, a marine-based Death Guard army or... You won't see... Well, yeah, you, you like, you'll have the Blight... What are they called? Blight walkers? Poxwalkers. Poxwalkers. Yeah. So, yeah, 
Yeah, you'll be able to do all of that. Right? Be interesting to see if they do do different warbands and how they distinguish them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that could um, be quite an interesting way to go. But I, I, I got a sneaking suspicion they're not going to. No, because it is Codex Death Guard. Yeah, it's very old. specific. Oh my anyway, goodness, this Chaos Spawn thing has come back. Get away! Or your Daddy Longlegs attack. Yeah. Yeah. Grown man Whoa. beaten by spindly legged beast. Mate, it's frightening. <laughs> it's good. It's nearly four inches across. I'm sure it is. Okay. <laughs> it's a flying tarantula in your bedroom. <laughs> oh my days, it's coming right at me. Right, so why right. Dan's getting attacked, I think we will move on to So no so Death Guard wise. <laughs> oh, do we no, have I to? think you'll Yeah, no. I, I think you're right. I d I'm not sure we will see it just because it is Codex Death Guard. Yeah. The Death Guard. It's yeah. not Codex Plague Marines or Codex Nurgle. Yeah, um, that's very true. So, yeah, obviously, I think we've probably seen a lot of the miniatures that are going to be in there, which makes me a little sad, but that's just how it works now. You know, you, you do see a lot of it ahead of time. Um, be lovely to open White Dwarf when it arrives um, and find something that I've not already seen, although I find that, I think that's very unlikely. Um, yeah, that's yeah, becoming increasingly uncommon now. Uh, there's so many releases done before I get my hands on the White Dwarf that the release section of the White Dwarf for me is it's almost like a flick through till I get to the Yeah, articles. it used to be the most <laughs> exciting bit and I, I I do think that's a bit of a shame. Yeah. But it is what it is. Because um, too many people leak stuff. Yeah, I mean ultimately... Ruin it for everyone else. <clears throat> you can't... You, you can do a lot to stem the leaks but ultimately if you're using an external publisher yeah printer sorry then you're not going to get rid of them completely and you might as well do a better quality version of it yeah i've yeah. always thought that yeah and that's what's happening yeah so mortarian's awesome tom's gonna get him and paint him up which is good because i i can't be do i i could so easily get into the death guard man so easily and it would really fit with my dream of a big sort of chaos force that represented the different gods i think you really but, i think you should have the, the primax I'm encouraging you. I'm sorry, but <clears throat> I I do think you should have the primates. I I mean I will be doing a small force of ultramarines um to go around Gilliman um mm. along with some custodians to sort of for bigger battles because I think those characters you can choose to play 40k in lots of ways and one of the ways is to say this is a pivotal battle. It has a primark in. Um and the other the other reason is just the models, mate, are just so nice. <laughs> I mean, I'm half tempted to buy Mortarian and, um, dare I say it, the heathen one-eyed hat himself, um, because those <laughs> models are really nice. And um, yeah. and I want a shot of painting a big red dude, because I've never painted... Well, Angron, big... <laughs> Angron will inevitably resurface, um, so I'll definitely get him. If you don't get Obviously. him, then you should just leave the hobby. Because yeah. you've clearly been overtaken by some kind of mind bug. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, actually. I've just started reading um, Russ, the Primark book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I, I read the first chapter last night. Yeah. And it just made me... I just can't wait for Russ to come back. Yeah. Oh, mate. It's going to be so cool. It is, but he's I'm... so cool. I think he's a lot more... so. It's interesting because in the videos um, about why they chose Gilliman, they kind of said, well, Russ will just go off and start killing stuff in a rage. Yeah. And he'll do that until something eventually kills him. Yeah. But even just from this first chapter, 
I think he's a bit more calculating than that. He is definitely. He's always come he's across not, as calculating. And actually, the Space Wolves have always been that. Yeah. So where the Blood Angels lose their heads a bit, don't they, when they go into combat? Yeah. Um, And they just go loopy. And the Flesh Terrors are like that as well. And the Black Templars are all zeal. The Space Wolves are cunning. Yeah. You know, and cunning f- strategy. And actually, in The Beast Arises, I said to you, didn't I, that there's some Space Wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's... There's a bit when it says, you know, while Space Wolves like to go in and show that they're more mighty in combat, they also relish the opportunity to defeat an enemy through cunning and strategy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, be interesting. Because ultimately, he's not Angron. No, he's not. And he beat Angron by... uh, I mean, there's been a conversation about it online today, actually, but in the battle where he... You know, fought Angron in hand-to-hand combat. He did it in a way that he demonstrated to Angron the weakness of having those bolts in the he- in the head of his marines by literally outmaneuvering him, so that he was left surrounded by wolves and nothing to do. And yeah, for me, I've always one of the things I love about the Space Wolves is they come across as barbaric and savage, but actually, when you read about them, there's a kind of a cunning, thoughtful, calculated interior, uh, especially as they get older. Where um, I mean, in the book Prospero Burns and in those the two kind of about that in the in the uh, Heresy series, they come across like that very much so. Um, that they are boisterous and, um, but at the same time, you cut peel away the surface and underneath there is that calculation and um, that cunning that you know is reflected in the way a wolf pack would work, I suppose. But um, yeah, love them. Which, yeah, that's fairly obvious. I don't think anyone's under any illusion that I don't. So we wanted to got... talk about, because I think we're, we're running out of time a little bit in this section, and we could bang on about the codexes for a while, because we're really excited about them. Um, but we ought to move on to stratagems, because um, we want to talk about stratagems, um, because there's something we're really excited about. I, I think what what I love about them is you see a lot of stuff in there which used to either be army rules or unit rules yeah but are now triggered through the stratagem process yes yeah um and i like that and i like how flavorful yeah they are so there's a corn one which lets you attack again and what in hand-to-hand combat because you need three rounds of (laughs) yeah you need three just in case there's a really cool cultist one which lets you remove a unit of cultists from the table and set them back up within six inches of any table edge, which kind of represents like an uprising. All right, yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um, there's so many of favorite, them as well. Oh, there's loads, isn't there? So there's one that will definitely be seeing some use with my Forge Fiends. Yeah. Um, this is my gaming side coming out now. So what it does is one command point. And it lets you re-roll all failed to hit and to wound rolls for a demon engine or a demon vehicle. Yeah, nothing um, heretical about that. Yeah, so it's called Demon Forge. And um, use your, this stratagem in your shooting or fight phase. When a Chaos Space Marine demon vehicle is chosen to attack, you can re-roll all failed to hit and wound rolls for that model until the end of the phase. So... My Forge Fiends are ranged units because I've said in a previous podcast I was getting a bit fed up of just running across the table. Yeah. And my Berserkers have had enough of cutting their way into Rhinos. Yeah. So the Forge forge Fiends, one of them a turn is going to be re-rolling all failed rolls to hit and to wound. That's eight 
rotary cannon shots and uh, D3 shots from the plasma more. So yes, I'm excited about that. <laughs> and I think the key, the the, th- the thing that excites me the most is the, the first thing you said, is just how characterful they are. I mean, you can really build an army that's designed to use the specific stratagems that you want to fit that army. Um, and then it becomes, you know, even more fluffy. I mean, some of the ones in the Space Marine ones uh, really, really, for me, embody the Space Marines. Like, um, kill shot for tanks. You can use it with one of your Predators to um, add one to the wound roll and damage for all Predator attacks against a target that's a monster or a vehicle. You know, it, you can build a build a tank army around that, effectively. <laughs> it's um, Yes, yeah. You can use them in so many ways. I just think they're going to be really exciting. And the cool thing about them is you don't know. Uh, there's so many of them. There's almost no way you could predict what your opponent is going to choose. I mean, there's, there's like a deck of cards worth of these bad boys. Um, <laughs> you, you're never going to be able to predict it. So uh, when they flop it out on the table and go, look, this is what I'm going to use, unless you've, you just can't plan for it. And I love that because I think 40k, I think all the war games that we play, the best place to be in is where... The person who wins isn't the person with the strongest army. It's the person who makes the best decisions. The person who acts like a real general and makes proper combat decisions and makes the right decisions based on effectively the math that he's seeing in front of him or her um, or the situation on the table and makes the right decisions. So if someone brings out a strategy and bangs it on the table, does something that he or she wasn't expecting um, and then responds to that in a perfect way, they're the generals I like playing. They're, that's the real, for me, the real gamers, the ones that can do that, rather than just sit down for hours and sort of meta their list so, you know, they'll stomp over everything. Um, and I think we're seeing less of that, thankfully. Um, and it's going more towards the kind of making the right decision and choosing an army that will be able to respond in kind to anything. I, um, I'm i not sure that I, I agree with the the fact that we're going less seeing less of that if i'm honest i think we might you know i think you're right there is that option to do what you said and that's certainly the way i would prefer to play but what i do like about what the new 40k and age of sigma is there is also the option to go the other way um and create those well honed lists that maybe aren't fluffy but are powerful and the reason i say that is it's about having that spectrum that appeals to lots of different people. So if you're going to go to a tournament, a competitive tournament, you're looking for one thing. If you're going to go to a narrative event, you're looking for something else. Neither of those things are have got, you know, are bad. They're just how you like to enjoy your hobby. Yeah. So I think it's good that it can do both. And on that note... <laughs> We uh we should probably move out of the galaxy of war, dude. Ah, we need to visit the mortal realms. Are you really not going to give me a place to vent my excitement about Necromunda? Are we going to move on before we do that? I'm not even sure what that is. Oh. <laughs> uh. Right, guys, Necromunda. Maybe next time. Oh, you really okay. okay? To the mortal realms. <laughs> <laughs> See you there, guys.
Welcome back, guys, and uh, we're moving into the Mortal Realms to have a chat about Age of Sigma. It's been uh, no new news, really, for Age of Sigma. It's been a bit of a boring month or so. Uh, nothing exciting's happened, so I think the best we can do, really, is talk about my goblins that I painted a couple of months ago, really. <laughs> <laughs> you, I've told you before, you need to come out of that shed once in a while. Do I? Well, with the internet so yeah. bad, I can't even change the page on the Games Workshop website. Ah! Oh my goodness! Because if if I, I did, I, I could move to new to new releases and see something that's um that's come out. Mm. But you know, with the absence of no new releases of any importance, we could talk about the game that you had the other day against the Wanderers and just remind everyone well, how that yes. went. I think it went something like: Did you <sighs> did you draw? No. No. Did you win? No. What happened? Just tell everyone for the second time. I lost. Oh, what a shame. Rivers of blood, running, <laughs> everyone dying, and they're not wood elves. Oh, man. And I was properly bummed out to start with as well. <laughs> I bet Dan wasn't. Oh, dear. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, so I played Dan's Wanderers again. I spent ages thinking about my list, uh, especially after last time, and I was like, oh, my list was Yeah, because you thought it was, was rubbish, rubbish, didn't you? Yeah. I think my exact words were, my list was tops. <laughs> <laughs> But your new list can't um, have been much so... better. <laughs> oh, whoa. No, actually, interestingly, it's what you said in the last section. Oh. I made a tactical error. Did you? I did. Quite a profound one. So, basically, I went with synergies this time. Yep. Um, so, I had a demon character that was providing buffs to the units around him. Uh, and I went with a battalion, which gave me a 2d6 move at the start of the game. Uh, so on turn one, I, I went first because I, I had a small number of drops because I had this battalion. So I took the first battle round uh, and in turn one, I was in combat with 30 blood letters and three um, blood crushers. Wow. But to Dan's credit, what he had done is uh, set up a unit as like a, a roadblock against that sort of move, which is uh, is what you would expect. And that's what he did. That unit died, as you would imagine. But on turn one, I held all four objectives. So we were playing Battle for the Pass. Yep. So straight away, I opened with nine victory points. Um, so really, really strong start. Um, Dan <coughs> managed to get five, uh, I think, in his battle round one. So one of the things I love about Age of Sigmar and that you see is there's no faffing around moving backwards and forwards a little bit with a unit and all the rest of it. This is turn one, battle round one, and we're in combat fighting. Yeah. Um, you know, big tactical moves have been made. We're in combat. Um, and in essence, um, the following round, I managed to rack up a few more points. Um, Dan got some, but not as many as me. Um, in turn three, though, I made the, the error, which was, I was looking at what Dan was scoring the most from, which was my home objective, yep. where he had his most powerful unit. So I took 30 blood letters and charged them across there to get into combat. Um, unfortunately, the Wildwood Rangers yet again showed their skill uh, and hacked a lot of them apart. Um, and ultimately, they um, the rest fled the battlefield and I lost because I lost my entire army by turn three. <laughs> Which was very bloodthirsty. But what we worked out afterwards was if I had gone for one of the lesser objectives, yeah. although Dan would have started scoring more, 
um my lead was such that by the end of battle round five it was 95 percent certain i would have had 28 points and he would have had 27 um so yeah it was just, it's just a simple you know you underestimated i made the wrong decision yeah. i made the wrong decision i overestimated the killing power of the blood letters underestimated the killing power of dan's and i lost sight of the objective which actually is ridiculous because i'm all about playing for the objectives um i've won multiple games well my two most recent games in 40k i've won because i had rhinos left alive on the objective because i understood that i needed to keep them out of the way and zoom in at the end yeah um so yeah but it helped once we'd worked through that because i was like oh yeah so I could have won without this because I was starting to get a bit frustrated that it just seemed very hard to get into combat. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I put the question out there um, on Facebook this week uh, and I've had a few responses. But I suppose it's difficult because people play different, play against different forces depending on where they play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I play Dan at Age of Sigmar almost exclusively. Uh, hoping to play Ben and Tom a bit more as their armies grow. Uh, but what that means is I play Dan's Wanderers, which is a heavily shooting list. Yeah. High manoeuvrability, heavy shooting. So if I don't get the first turn and get into combat, my army is coming off the board fast. Yeah. So without, you know, with people obviously don't know that when they're giving their suggestions. Um I, uh, yeah, the general feeling was that the battalions, because in the new book, they've all gone up by 100 points. So having or around that, sorry. So spending 120 points on a battalion, over 10 percent of your points uh, at a thousand points. Most people's opinion seem to be that that is too much. Um, but without it, I can't get the boost in movement, which means I can't get into combat in turn one. Yeah, and if I can't get yeah. in and start killing stuff on turn one, then I might as well not put figures on the board when I'm playing Dan's Wanderers. Yep, yeah, yeah, making it worthwhile. So it is, t- it, you know, it is situational. Uh, I think uh, I think in a thousand points, battalions, one of the stronger battalions, are worth it. Um, but only one. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, I mean that starts getting silly then. What I um, what I was a bit sad to see is um, is that the ones that aren't getting used could have done with being having less of a point hike. And I don't really have any mm-hmm. good examples to be honest, but um you know clearly that there's there's they've just all been increased across the board comparing the two general's handbooks. Um they've all been added about 100 about 100 points, isn't it? Um yeah. And I'd imagine that there's going to be a, a raft of those which don't get used very often. Um that now are very very unlikely to get used. Whereas they might have been used more had they had less of a point hike. Maybe, say, 50 points. I think, though, perhaps along with the thing around points reductions for bigger units, it's encouraging Age of Sigma to be played at a higher points cost, points level. Yeah. Because if a battalion is more expensive, but you're playing a 3,000-point game, for example... It's less of an issue. Yeah, I think I'll probably um, take two or three for a 3,000-point game as yeah, well. Yeah, because you, you were saying that before we started recording. And and I think because of the likes of Path to Glory and Skirmish, there is space for Age of Sigmar to be the sort of mid-to-large 
game, isn't it? Really? Yes. Um, yeah, definitely. Because there is stuff behind that, and you can still choose to play before, it smaller. I mean, it's just given. Well, yeah, absolutely, and I think that's important because that's about encouraging people to give it a go. Yeah. And and to be honest, if you're into this hobby, picking up a fifty quid box isn't well is unlikely to be the end of the world i know that's not true for everyone um so please don't be there raging at your podcast app because i just said that um but it's not as cost prohibitive as by a long way as as the warhammer predecessor was yeah 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 and you can get a lot for your 50 quid now for age sigma yeah you can really good stuff um it important to say that i used my warlord edition that came in its shiny box <laughs> which was quite funny that made me laugh after i made a, a big deal about it coming in a cardboard box and then it did actually come in a cardboard box with the uh the sigma logo on which was excellent so i used that um the dials fantastic really good especially for tracking the turns yeah and knowing whose battle round it was yeah. um the nine inch markers really really useful because dan's entire army was able to move off the board and come back on wherever it wanted as long as it was outside of nine inches of my men yeah. uh, um, from one of the board edges so that was really good they were very useful um i love all the counters and stuff my only thing was that in my corn counters you get the ones for like whipped to fury which is um an ability that the blood stoker uses yeah and you only get one and um, I think that's a shame because I used to. <laughs> so um, it would have been nice to have a, a few more of those. But yeah, loving all the gubbins in there. Um, and I've actually now, Ben, it's got so bad. I've got so into counters uh, <laughs> and gubbins. I've actually got now boxes, one for 40k and one for Age of Sigma that have all my gaming stuff in so if i'm playing a game i just pick up that box so where once it was a tape measure and some dice <laughs> now i don't know some people may remember this do you remember the metal case for that was supposed to be for like i did a plasma ammunition i think yes the um, one that was for a model got, case yeah yeah hazard danger of predestination if used unblessed it says oh no it's for mass react it's for bolt rounds 200 rounds mass reactive bolt yeah um for the umbra pattern bolt gun so i have that box and it is full rammed of all the bits and pieces i would use for playing warhammer 40,000. and i've got one the same size and i'll put picture up <laughs> um, for, for Age of Sigma. So in there is all the dice, tape measures, counters, tokens, deployment markers, <laughs> templates for playing heresy, um, cards for uh, your army cards that you go in, your open war cards. <laughs> it's mad, but I love it. I love it. <laughs> I'm so excited by that the idea. My little, my little OCD of organisation loves it because inside you open it up and there's little, more little boxes and in each one is all the different counters that you need. Or I say need. Yeah, yeah. need. I, I'm really happy. Oh, yeah, I can tell, man. I'm glad you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. I love all these little counters. So, yeah, the Warlord edition for me... Uh, Everybody knows this by now, but it was totally worth it. Re actually, uh, I don't know if I said this on the podcast or I just said this when I was talking to you, Ben, but I I 
really chuffed that they did it aimed more at the gamer because the collector's editions are lovely of things they are really nice um but it's nice to have an option which is like an in-between i suppose yeah yeah definitely they used to do Um, gamers editions and um special editions for a lot of products a few years back well interestingly i've got a feeling that 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 bolt round case came from the gamers edition of the fifth edition 40k launch i'm not sure because i'm sure because i've you've got that box the rule book and those bright green counter things yes that yes because yes you did yeah yes you did that's completely true yeah because because so, i've got it and i've got the bright green counters and i don't remember buying the bright green counters separately and i was trying to work out where i got them from but you're completely right if anyone from Games Workshop is listening, I do need a similar size box, but in an Age of Sigma style. <laughs> so whether in like a, a gold with an embossed hammer, which is supposed to be like a reliquy. What's it called, Ben, when you... Reliquy? Reliquary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of they. <laughs> I'm sure it's um, sure plenty of different ways of saying it. but um... Yeah. But I need one of those for all my Age of Sigma stuff to go in. So, yeah, loving that box. You've you've spent some time looking through the new handbook, haven't you? And I have because up in, up in your game on your understanding of the uh, the mortal realms or the game that takes place there. Yeah, no, definitely because I'm feeling a little bit behind, really. And um, I bought the general's handbook, and I've been working my way through it, trying to understand how you would go about collecting an army, where you get your points from, how you construct it. Um, yeah enjoying it actually so some on my other screen here while i'm sat here i have the goblins up and i've been trying to work out how to make an army of goblins i think i'm going to go for a 50 50 of um of the different goblin clans i think because um, i'd like to have a pure goblin army with maybe a giant or something i think we spoke about that last time um and then have a separate orc army and then merge them together if i wished to do that yeah. but i've um i found myself quite drawn to the goblins at the moment because I just don't think the elves are there yet for me to get excited about them, which is a shame because I haven't painted an elf army in its entirety, even though I've always collected them. They've always been the army I've collected um, because I've always focused on painting my 40k stuff and the elves have always been a bit intimidating because of the purity of the colours and various other things. And a lot to do with the fact I never able to find a, a white spray that was any good um, to base coat them in. Um, but the goblins tick all my boxes at the moment because I find them easy to paint. I find them fun to paint. I enjoy the army. I always have enjoyed Warhammer Fantasy Orcs and goblins. And it means whoever I play against, it will be sensible um, without being chaos. <laughs> and I suppose I could have gone with death for that because I quite like some of the death stuff too. Um but I can't really forgive Nagash for being an ass hat. So <laughs> he has got a big hat. Yeah, it's filled with ass. I'm afraid. Um, right. Okay. I really, That's lovely. Isn't I it? really hope that uh, Sigma does give him a good slapping at some point. He deserves it. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> this is probably a, a reasonable time to talk about um, what we were discussing just before about the different ways to play. So. You and I have had some good conversations. Yeah, because I've been really confused about it. Yeah, I've been really confused about it because, it, for example, I, I mean, I, I'll just talk about where it started from. 
I absolutely love Triumphs and Treachery. I think Triumph and Treachery is a really, really cool mechanic, um, but it's stuck in the open play section of the General's Handbook. So my question to Dan was, dude, can I play this in a narrative game? And your answer to me was... It was, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what's interesting about the three ways to play is a lot of people, some people will yeah. look at their three ways to play and they'll be like, well, yeah, obviously. But um, not everyone did. And and I that's why I love it. Because all it's really doing is formula, formalising some ideas that loads of people had before um, and showing that everything is valid. So... If you go back to Rogue Trader where it was really kind of like DM'd and more about the narrative and maybe there weren't points and stuff and lots of people say, oh yeah, that was brilliant. And then other people say, no, no, the com- competition and yeah. the, the structure, that's brilliant. Well, actually it's all brilliant. It just depends what you want to do. And that's why I love the the three ways to play because they're encouraging that. But yeah, absolutely. So for me, and I said, this, I said to Ben, like I really like having a structure to build to it was the it was the only thing that frustrated me when age of sigma came out yeah not so much there wasn't points but i just didn't know what an army should look like because there was no no structure no force organization um and i like that i like you know if i take 40k as an example i know that i need six troops for that battalion i want to do or the brigade and I, I loved yep. building it to that. And I like the challenge of fitting my army within that structure, but still theming it to how I want it. Um, so I wouldn't want particularly want to play Triumph and Treachery or the Siege Battles or with the open war cards without the structure given by match play in as much as the points and the, the how many... Uh, battle lines etc you need because i like to know that the forces are reasonably balanced um and yeah you can mix it up and i think the only thing to be aware of is if you are going to an event or you're going to play someone uh, in a pickup game someone you don't necessarily know yeah that you just need to establish what you both want out of it before you go don't go to a don't go to something that's labeled as a tournament and then getting a pissy because somebody turned up with an army that wasn't fluffy and they flattened you off the table because we've talked about this a lot haven't we that tournaments are different whereas and they go to a narrative event but also don't go to a narrative event with a really powerful you know basically being that guy um because people yeah, will definitely. get annoyed at you because they're not there for that they're there to enjoy themselves and there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with either one of those things and i've been there i've been a store manager and i was quite judgmental about people that played in tournaments because i saw them as people who bought their army um probably on the cheap just to build this certain structure and then never bought anything else no no but that's not everybody that likes tournaments, you know. And actually, yeah, but I mean, if that's what those different enjoy, styles of play are one thing. But I mean, the, for clarity, if I was going to a tournament, if we were going to go for the buy the book rule set, only the things in the match play section would be valid. 
That's correct. And yet, when I'm playing against you, we'll be using open war cards, trying some treachery, probably a narrative battle, knowing us, um, with points values. Pick Picking the bits that we like from the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the important thing is just to check, check the, the event pack. Yeah. There'll always be an event pack, and that'll tell you what's going on. We've just covered a little bit there. What we've often talked about, the, the kind of gaming contract, that idea that most of the angst that comes out of games comes because the gaming contract has been broken, and it's usually because it was never formed in the first place. Um, I think one of the things I noticed running Vets Night was that people were just so keen to get a game that they didn't spend that one minute having that very simple conversation. What are you looking to get out of your game tonight? You know, are you? Well, I think some people find that hard as well, maybe. Yeah. Because you you know when you turn up to a games workshop, games night, there are other people with a similar interest to you. Yeah. And you put your models on the table and you play. Yeah. And you don't you don't need to work very hard or be particularly uh good at that kind of social aspect no um so the idea of having a conversation with the guy across the table about what they want because it might be different to what you want is is probably not foremost in in a lot of people's minds but actually you you often will find you'll get a lot more out of the game that's super important when i came back from university and got back into the hobby the first game i played at vets night was against a chap um and i had just an appalling experience and he was there to win. That was his only consideration. And he was such an ass about it that um, I had another gamer come up afterwards because they could see that I was about to literally pack my army up and walk out that store and never come back. Um, and he pulled me aside and we had an, a fantastic game and he had a stunning Space Wolf army, which helps. And um, <laughs> And I never looked back. But for me, all it took would have taken is for that guy to go, you know, what are you here for today? I'm a newbie. This is my first game of 40k in six years. Um, I'm just here to sort of see how things are. Okay, let's do that. Or, sorry, mate, that's not what I'm looking for. And it would have been a completely different experience. Um, but anyway, that's that's the thing in the past. Um, I think those things are really important, though. And I think, you know, going into stores and seeing people playing and playing in my club that those things are getting better actually i don't know maybe maybe i'm just naive no well they they absolutely mate you can tell just by looking at um the games workshops direction and the success it's bringing them yeah i think everyone is valid yeah if if you are going to spend pounds on any product that games workshop makes your point of view how you want to approach your hobby is valid. Yes, you know, definitely. If you just collect yeah. Black Library, very valid. If you are a really competitive tournament gamer who wants to keep up to date with the latest stuff, very valid. If you want to do narrative, very valid. The, the only consistent thing needs to be that you spend money with Games Workshop. <laughs> well, it's true, though. Like... <laughs> It's true. I don't mean to be a good person, although it helps. (laughs) I'm just saying, for your point of view about the hobby to be valid to 
Games Workshop. Yeah, and no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. It just yeah, it just makes. Me I laugh. think people. I know it makes you laugh, but people forget it, and I see it all the time. You see these big rants about, oh, that my manager's a bugger because he won't let me use Forge World in the store, and you know, Games Workshop don't take my point of view on board. Blah blah blah, and people just forget that the businesses need to make money to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And store managers are are judged on how much money they take through their store. Yeah. They can't sell Forge World. Shame. I mean that that is a shame. It is a shame. Yeah. It is a shame. And I don't think that if you turn up with some Forge World stuff they should be all arsy with you. Of course not. But the honest conversation is, mate, I feed my kids and pay my mortgage by achieving my by by encouraging people to buy the stuff that is in my shop. Yeah. That isn't I'm going into another one now. You are but... you're going into another one. It it is worth just to close this section on the different styles of gaming that as game workshop staff members we did only ever run open play games in the store. Well, that's true. Every event we've ever played was just bring your unit, stick it on and you had all sorts on every side of the no The reason for that, though, is because... Because um, we couldn't I, be asked to organise uh, it. <laughs> no, no. I could never actually count above the number of fingers that I have. Yeah, well, that hasn't changed any. So I couldn't do points. No, not really. So, um, I think we could literally talk about the Mortal Realms Rages at the moment because um, I think both of us are quite excited about it, but we do need to move on. Unfortunately, a bit, I can't, I, do you know, I'm being the, the herdsman today. I'm the shepherd. You are the shepherd. Reining you in, because <laughs> otherwise we would go on for hours. Um, so we're going to move on into um, the Hail to the Community section, guys. And uh, we will see you on the other side of a short drum roll. Well, guys, we're back now for Hail to the Community. So this is where we just look at what's going on around us, really, out in the community. Chat about it. Chat about why we're excited about it. Um, who would have thought eh, a segment from us with excitement in it? <laughs> <laughs> or where we're excited about something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, Ben. Yes. What have you been up to community-wise? You've got that paint competition, haven't you? I have, yeah. I'm really excited about it. I haven't entered a painting competition in such a long time. Um, I actually realised yesterday that uh, that I'm not really entirely sure that the I've got the rules right <laughs> for the painting competition. Um, <laughs> so I was told at the at the birthday that it was you're painting the Primera Space Marine that you got in your uh, party bag which is essentially the free one on the front of the magazine. And uh, so that's what the whole of my family's done. And I think that in itself has just been a fantastic experience. Um, Peyton Elowin's first model, um, you know, memories that you don't you don't forget, really. And um, no. Jo's painted another model. So, you know, she's she really enjoyed doing that. She's got well into it. <laughs> she's, like, desperate to do well. Um, and she she's a good painter, actually. Um, and... It has the potential to be probably better than me if she practiced, but um, don't tell her that she doesn't listen to this, so it's all right. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, but if I turn up and it's any old Primaris and um, not just the one off the front of the box, I shall 
kick myself for not looking into it a bit more. And I kind of haven't really gone to the site just to make sure, just in case it's I am wrong. But uh, anyway, I think as well, it's... yours still looks awesome, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it really... but I'd have probably entered Ragnar Blackmane if it was any primary space marine, um, which would give ah. give me a reason to finish him rather than do the Lamenter. But I, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Um, I'd be quite interested to. Unfortunately, I won't be there on the day because we're away this Saturday. But we're popping down to um, drop the models off beforehand and um, probably have a better better chance to chat with the store manager without hundreds of people trying to buy something from him. So, uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Um, the other thing, I think, the thing that we're most excited about, and I think came out of nowhere, really, didn't it? Was the Warhammer Heroes Award? Yeah, I just think it's such a good idea and absolutely completely for me embodies and represents where games workshop are at with their view on us as the community that surrounds their their company at the moment and um there aren't many companies with a a community that surrounds them outside of their employees um games workshop has that and i think it's, it's kind of understandable in a way that they've at times struggled to work out how to deal with that but i think for me the warhammer heroes is just going to be it's going to be fantastic. It's, it sounds like it's going to be driven by the community, um, voted on by the community, even nominated by the community. Um, and I think the most important thing about the whole thing is that there's a massive ass medal if you win it, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. which <laughs> is more important than anything else. Um, it, it looks in the picture like you could wear it as a form of body armor, uh, but maybe it's probably not quite that big. I'm hoping it is, though. No, like a I really like that it's driven by the community. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because on the, as with all things, uh, you get the vocal minority often on the internet, and I, I just really like the fact that this thing is driven by the community. Yeah, and um, you know, so people that might otherwise not come to the attention of Games Workshop or make it really widely known that that uh, they have certain views or what have you, you know, I've got I've got a chance. Yeah. I suppose. I think that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Really cool. Um, I'm I'm really excited about the effect that will have um, on people because I think um, I think there is an awful lot of work that goes into doing some things in this hobby, um, and you don't get for a lot of it much back um, in a kind of physical, financial, or you know, notoriety kind of way, um, as in rank or anything like that. So Magic the Gathering used to have, um, Wizards of the Coast used to have, uh, people who effectively were volunteers um, would go out and promote their product. Yeah. Um, press or... press gangers um, or something like that. And uh, Press gangers is... Um, Privateer Press. Privateer Press do press gangers. Yeah. And uh, the um, Hawk War Games, they got a similar thing. Um, well, I think a lot of them have stopped now, which is disappointing but in some ways well, games workshop used to have the outriders in um europe as well yeah yeah uh that used to do it uh but yes yeah, it's, it's anyway, great what i think this is going to be able to do is is pat those guys and girls on the back and say look well you know we really appreciate what you're doing all the hard work you're doing um and more importantly here's a massive medal <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm not driven by shiny gubbins at all. <laughs> so relatively short in the community section, I think. Um, 
yeah, we've got some exciting bits coming up community wise, haven't we? So yeah, um, we've got I'm I'm visiting um, Games Workshop Coventry yeah uh, in November because they are moving. Dave Wright, absolute legend, um, colleague of mine when I was uh, a store manager um, in the Seven Valley area, which obviously the seven valleys still exist but <laughs> that group is still that grouping doesn't um anymore so it'd be really really good to see dave he's not moving very far and it you know there is the opportunity to get the limited edition models in there as well um so i'm looking forward to that and uh, we're both entering a tournament at big um, yeah yeah, an yeah event on the 19th of november so we've got that coming up as well um to talk about so yeah, we've got some got some cool community bits coming up, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. Really excited about that tournament. So, actually, we'll talk more a bit more about those, more detail about what we're going to be doing to prepare for those, etc. Nearer the time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for now, thank you, community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're off uh, into the last section, which is into the wilds, guys. We'll catch you in the wilds. Hi guys, we're back uh, for our final section, Into the Wilds, and this time we really are going into the wilds, into the wasteland of the apocalyptic future with uh, the upcoming release of Fallout um, Wasteland Warfare, which I am so excited about. Um, I'm almost, I'm probably equally as excited about this as I am about Necromunda. Um, well, I know, seriously. <laughs> That's a lot of excitement, dude. Uh, the Fallout games are probably, apart from... The Skyrim and and Morrowind Elder Scroll games, they're probably my favourite computer games. They are stunning, stunning games. Uh, and when they released Fallout 3, uh, probably seven years ago, I think it was just one of the best games I'd ever played, frankly. Um, and for to that to be realised in very, very high-quality miniatures um, in a board game that sounds really, really exciting, it's just absolutely amazing. Um so, so is it a board game? Is it? It is a or a tabletop. It's a tabletop game. miniatures game. Um, it's made by, I don't know how to pronounce this, but Modifius. Um, it is. It's got three ways to play as it, as it happens. Um, so you, <laughs> you can either play it as a, a essentially you create a gang, very much like Necromunda, um, or like a crew of you guys who are going out into the apocalyptic wasteland. Um, and you can either play it as a solo mission against uh, an AI deck where there's a card deck which generates actions for the beasties and um, other people or mutants or whatever you come across in the wasteland. Um, a bit, I guess a bit like how uh, Silver Tower runs its kind of enemies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can play it solo, uh, you can play it cooperatively against the same AI deck, or you can play it um, you know, one gang versus another. Uh, you can create resources and upgrade your gang and you can have it in campaigns. It just sounds really good. It sounds really, really good. Um, it sounds like a, a lot like Necromunda. Um, and given that they're going to be both released in the same month, it's going to be really difficult to, um, to know which one to go for, actually. I don't think I'm going to be able to convince uh, the Bank of Ben to let me do both. But um, it looks like... It's a smallish game, so that, as in, I'm, I'm not expecting armies. I'm expecting the gangs to be more like sort of five to ten models, um, and the enemies 
don't need to be many of those either, really, because um, everything in the wasteland that survived is, is a character in its own right. So I'm expecting them to be tough and difficult to kill uh, and not hordes unless you're fighting um, ghouls. Um, so very, very, very excited about it. Um, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, um, you can head over to their Facebook page or the website. And um, at the moment, the community is really buzzing about it on their web, on their Facebook page. They're making uh, a shed ton of scenery ready to play the game. Um, and some of it looks absolutely fantastic. Um, so one of the things about Fallout is is the design aesthetic is is very much kind of a 1930s, 40s um, design aesthetic with a nuclear kind of feel to it. So uh, you get the kind of big curvy cars and uh, strange kind of advertising that you got with the 30s. Um, mixed in with that kind of futuristic technology so uh, they've a lot of the, the guys who've been making the scenery have really captured that and one of the cool things that they're doing about the game is they're releasing little scenery pieces things like dan won't have a clue what i'm talking about now but the new coca-cola vending machine is a model that they are making um the cars the wrecked cars they're models that they're making um the robots are in there as well so like mr gusty and things like that they're doing those it's going to be amazing I'm absolutely buzzing for it. Do you know anything about like the game mechanic? Or? No, I don't. I've been looking. Um, it looks like it. A fair bit of came out in the, one of the local conventions, but um, I don't really know about the game mechanic yet. Um, if I'm being honest, that's partly because I get a bit sidetracked with the pretty models. <laughs> <laughs> so when I go onto the pages, I'm like, "Ooh, ooh, look at that!" And I've lost my way very quickly. Um, yeah, well, I'm very excited about it. I'm I'm very excited about it, as you can probably tell. Um, particularly excited about seeing um, some of those models realised. So, the Brotherhood of Steel, the Power Armour. Um, out of all of the versions of Power Armour, in inverted commas, uh, the only one that has ever, for me, come anywhere near being as cool as Space Moon Army uh, Armour is the Power Armour from Fallout. Um, it's very, very good. As well, it's worth pointing out for those of you who play the game, it's going to be based on the Fallout 4 background, um, which uh, all settings. So it's going to have the Institute and those uh, Android guys in there as well. And it doesn't sound like you've got much to say on this at all, Dan. So it's just been my monologue for the last ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I said to you um, when you mentioned it, I, I don't really, I don't even have a. I don't have a games console anymore, actually. Um, basically, if I'm playing computer games, I could be painting miniatures, so I like to paint miniatures. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I have seen, I have looked at it, and the quality of the of the stuff is fantastic. It's really good. I was quite interested when you mentioned it as well to find out who was making it, um, because recently, just thinking about other successful computer games that have been attempted to be ported over um looking at halo and obviously um people may or may not know that spartan games who make halo unfortunately have ceased trading yeah and i remember when i saw that they were going to have halo initially i thought that was going to be a massive thing um ben and i were talking and i just i think you get lots of war gamers who play computer games um but I think the real trick is trying to get people that play computer games to then play war games. But that's 
that's a big ask, I think. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because because that's bringing uh, you know the great thing about being able to do that is bringing new people into into the wargaming pool. The the people that can spend that will spend money on wargaming miniatures. Yeah. yeah. Um. Because otherwise, all all that's constantly happening is that dilution. Yeah. Of of that pool, so interesting. But then I suppose with a few of the companies going, whilst that is disappointing, um, you know, there's the companies that are left should make more money, I suppose. Um, yeah. And therefore, be able to produce better quality stuff. Yeah, yeah. But is do you know is this Kickstarter one then? I don't think so. No, they're they're um, no, I don't think they are. Um, I I certainly never saw a Kickstarter for it, and it I haven't seen any Kickstarters for it now. But they do they do a Star Wars game as well. So, um, not Star Wars game, sorry, Star Trek game, um, which is quite interesting. Um, and I think that they've done this off of the success of that, um, which is pretty cool. It's a big ticket for them to pick up Bethesda is the software company that make Fallout and it is they're not small by any stretch of the imagination. Their their IP is is pretty robust. Um so Fallout the universe and the um Elder Scrolls universe are a big business really. Um they've made a lot of games based on them and um for them to give that you know shot to a company and say here have a go mm. I think um that's a pretty big deal. Uh, it's not. As, it's not as big a deal as Star Wars last week, but it is a big deal, and um, <laughs> uh, I think one of the benefits of this is it can be a really small game, mate. I mean, a lot of the enemies you face in the wasteland are are quite powerful, um, so you could very easily have ten ten models per side, and that'd be quite a thing. Um, so you don't. I don't think they need to put much work into it working, and I think one of the things I'm excited about is when you. I haven't seen another game which has inspired that kind of um, building ethos before the games even come out. I mean, people I know. people are literally great to see, building it? whole tables of wasteland ready to play the game on. Um, so I think <laughs> I think they they will build the, the the hobby community will build their universe around whatever they give them. Um, and I think once those models are out. I don't think it matters if the company stays around for that long. I hope they do, and I hope they, you know, they continue to make lots of models. But um, people will keep playing this for a long time because there are people out there who are absolutely obsessed with the Fallout universe. And I got to say, I mean, I think I probably counted on that list. I'm, and Joe is as well. We both love the Fallout universe um, to the extent we were thinking of getting a new Coca-Cola poster to go in our in our house. You know, it's serious. <laughs> uh, it's it's the it's a really cool place. Um, I've listened to whole genres of music based on because you wear this thing on your wrist called a pip boy um and it's a piece of equipment that you get when you go to live in a vault and on it you kind of has all your missions and your quests and what have you but it also has a radio and for the fallout 3 and fallout 4 and fallout las vegas the style of music on that radio is very 1930s 40s so i started listening to crooners based on you know, wandering around the wasteland, listening to Nat King Cole. <laughs> it's just amazing. Um, it, because it has, it just captures you, my, it captures people's imagination. It does. Um, and I think it's one of those universes which has the potential to keep people in it. Um, and it will pull people around, you know, from other places 
in the hobby to come into it and do something with it. Um, and the, the wasteland, like I said, the scenery-wise, there's so much potential there. Um, so much potential. So I'm expecting to see some really cool stuff. Um, and I think we will be posting some of that as models of the day. Um, the scenery to start with, but then the models themselves in the future. Um, it's going to be ace. Absolutely ace. Uh, the other thing I wanted to quickly talk about, if you don't mind me adding a little bit on the end, down. No, not at all. Are the Bones Kickstarter. So Reaper Miniatures Bones Kickstarter. It's Bones 2. Um, I had never heard anything of Bones 1. or I probably Actually, I think when I saw Bones 2, a, a dark, hidden memory of coming across it at some point in the past wandered through my mind. But it, but effectively what it is, is it's flexible plastic models for role-playing games. Mm-hmm. Namely, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and you, the Kickstarter I think is a hundred dollars or whatever that equates to about seventy quid, and you get a metric buttload of models like uh, goblins and uh, the basic stuff like orcs and goblins, and um, the names have gone out of my head. It's too late now, but uh, you get a dragon, you get uh, models to play characters with, you get townspeople, you get the griblies, you get all, all just tons of stuff. Um, and the reason I'm mentioning it is because I started role-playing in a group again after I'd not done it for a long time last week, and Ross had Bones 1, and he was able to pull out models for anything that he threw at us. Um, a really, really good resource to have, um, and I wish I had 70 quid around to, that wasn't being spent on Necromunda scenery <laughs> to pick to pick a <laughs> set of it up. Um, so too much awesome. Yeah, there is just too much awesome. Um, so yeah, if anyone you know is interested in a reasonably priced, I think very robust, as in you could literally grab them and shove them in your rucksack with no care or attention. Um, models to play Lord of the Rings, uh, not Lord of the Rings, Dungeons Dragons, or a role playing game of that ilk like Pathfinder or whatever. Um, Bones two Kickstarter by Reaper Miniatures, and that's my rambling. Sounds good, man. That's, that's, sorry, <laughs> I have listened eagerly to try and pick stuff up, really, because that's some stuff in there that I'm not really aware of. Yeah, and um, gone through. So that's when cool. we post the podcast. I'll post links to for Doofius, and I'll post links to um, the Bones Two Kickstarter, so that people know where to find it as well. Although, if you just type those things in, they'll come up. So, are we going to call it a day, yes, there, buddy? Uh, I think so. Time is uh, time is rolling on this evening, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the the I drop think pod as has customary... landed. <laughs> yeah, the drop pod. <laughs> it's kind of ambled to a stop. <laughs> <laughs> With Ben leaning out so, the window, um, going, "Ah, I'm a defius." Yeah. <laughs> as is customary, um, really important that we say thank you. Yes. Um, it really is. Uh, I'm just looking now um, at the the Podbean um, app, and it's showing that we've had 768 downloads, which is phenomenal. Thank you very, very much, guys. Uh, 176 likes on Facebook. Again, amazing. Um, you know, it's just it just really is really really great to see such support and and the interaction as well a lot of the retro posts recently people seem really keen on uh the gaming posts really keen on people have been sharing things which is fantastic thank you really appreciate it 
hurt, really, really do. Um, I think we're constantly, we have little moments, don't we, Ben, where we're like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's taken us by surprise. We say every week, though. It still takes us by surprise. Um, yeah. We'd quite literally get to every time we sit down to do a podcast and go, oh, that'll be it. You know, this will be the one. They'll stop listening to it. Um, but yeah, we haven't yet. We're <laughs> good. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> so thank you very much as ever guys um we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks time talking about some more awesome stuff um in that time enjoy your hobby have a good couple of weeks and we'll catch you soon cheers guys, Bye, guys. <laughs>